Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown! 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 Georgia! Now, here are your host, two-time All-American punter, Drew Butler. Drew Butler, leader in the country in punts 49-plus. See if he booms this one. He does. Wow. And Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl, and SEC championship winning quarterback, Jake Fromm. Flea Flicker to get the night started. Downfield looking for Godwin. Into his hands. And guess which dogs are barking first. Now with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Dogs are winners. A national championship for a new generation of Bulldogs. Victory is mine, yeah, surprisingly, I've been laying, waiting for your next mistake. I put in work and watch my status escalate. The cornballs get stolen. Welcome in to the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler. Join alongside my co-host, Jake From. Be sure to follow us on social media, at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Drew Butler. He's at From Jake, puntandpass.com the number one destination for all things college football. Jake, week three of the college football season is in the books. We have plenty to discuss and recap from what went on last Saturday. But on Sunday, the Washington Commanders went out to Denver, got a big-time victory. The Commanders, don't look now, 2-0 and to start the season. That had to be pretty good. That looked like a fun game. Man, anytime you can get... Uh, a nice W in the win column. That is always great, uh, especially on the road down uh, yeah. a good bit uh, early in the game. So it was good for us to to keep fighting, learned a lot about ourselves and uh, always good on a long plane ride home after a win. Absolutely. A win is a win. A win is, is a, a win, win is a win. And we'll talk about that here when we break down this Georgia game, because plenty of chatter post game, even more chatter during the game. If anybody loves college football as much as you and I do. I'm assuming you probably do if you're listening to this podcast. The group texts just fire off like crazy during Georgia football games. That little pessimistic bug in the back of your head when Georgia's down 11 at halftime. Oh, yeah. We'll dive into all that for sure. But first things first, this episode of Punt and Pass is presented to you by Solomon Brothers Jewelers. Two amazing stores in the Atlanta area. One in North Metro Atlanta, right by me, in Alpharetta, just past the Avalon, the other, right in the heart of it, in Buckhead, 17th floor, Tower Play. Solomon Brothers has the lowest prices on the highest quality jewelry and diamonds, guaranteed. They got the biggest selection, the best quality, the lowest prices, and an in-store experience that is totally unmatched. If you haven't been to Solomon Brothers yet, I don't know what you're waiting on. Over the weekend, spent some time with some buddies of mine who've gotten their wives and significant others' jewelry pieces, other buddies who've bought watches from Solomon Brothers. It is simply the best. Head on into Solomon Brothers, and if you go there and tell them that punt and pass sent you or mention myself or Jake, you can get 10% off your jewelry purchase. Check them out on Instagram at Solomon Brothers, and their website is SolomonBrothers.com. 
All right, Jake, we got plenty to dive into. Of course, Georgia beats South Carolina 24 to 14 to remain unbeaten, still atop of the polls. Tennessee went down to the swamp, got absolutely stomped by Florida. That's a game I feel like you and I saw going either way. You thought Tennessee could blow them out or you thought Florida would win outright. How about Alabama struggling down in Tampa, paying South Florida like a million bucks, then almost losing the game. And of course, you know, this is a Colorado podcast too. Now we have to touch (laughs) on the craziness between Colorado and Colorado state, but let's start where the bread is butter. That of course, being between the hedges, Georgia beat South Carolina 24 to 14, but this Jake, was a tale of two halves. Georgia down 14-3 to at halftime. They storm out in the third quarter. They outscore South Carolina 21 to nothing in the second half, come away with a victory 24-14. to So much to break down, so much we've already talked about. I guess what are your high-level thoughts, and then we'll dive in. Yeah, uh, a win is a win is a win. Yep. Uh, it doesn't matter, man. Just just survive, get through the schedule. Um you just got to win the SEC East, give yourself a chance, because if you win the SEC Championship, you move on, and then you have a chance to have a chance. Um, obviously not the ideal way. I think any Georgia fan, uh, probably any Georgia player, anybody associated with the university wanted or had an idea of that game, that was the way it was going to go. Um, I mean, you just want the guys to start faster. You want yeah. to to just be more dominant. I mean, you just always want more and more and more. Uh, Got to give a little credit to South Carolina and Absolutely. the Bean team. I mean, they they came out swinging. They had a great plan to start on offense, getting the ball out of Spencer's uh, hand, and they made a few plays. They break the screens. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, just a slow start for the Georgia offense. It's just always that one that one thing, um, that, that one third down that you don't convert. Um, you know, why? There's you know, a whole lot of reasons you could probably go into why. Um, maybe the running game's not starting as early as it probably should. Um, but man, look, they, they win and they got through it, uh, rained a little bit, but you know, who cares? They throw the ball a lot too. So, uh, who cares? But yeah, man, a win is a win is a win. No doubt. Two missed field goals as well. We'll dive never into good, that. Yeah. Here's what I'll say though, to anybody listening, if you're a Georgia fan or a football fan, or you just watch the game, I think here's the big picture. Georgia's on a 20-game win streak. They're the back-to-back national champions. I don't care who they're playing. They are going to get the best effort, the most excitement, and execution from their opponent because they're going to get everybody's best shot. That's just how it is. If you don't think every single one of Georgia's opponents from here on out have that first 15 play scripted and um, repeated at practice – and they are hyper-focused on executing that first 15 script based on what they've seen on tape, then you're crazy. I'm not making an excuse for Georgia by any stretch of the imagination. What I'm saying, though, is that they're going to get punched in the face, Georgia is, assumingly, by every single opponent, because that's what you bring out of the people that you're playing against when you are the Georgia Bulldogs in this moment. Back-to-back national champs, undefeated over the last year and a half, going trying to accomplish things in college football that have never been accomplished before. And especially with a team like South Carolina, they've got four stars. They've got plenty of talent. Spencer Rattler is one of the highest rated recruits at the quarterback position ever. You know that these guys have the ability to make plays and you know that they're hyped up to stay in a game and to ultimately, hopefully get 
an upset. So I think that's like a level set in expectations because if you think George is just going to go out there and dominate every single opponent, yes, of course they want to. The players want to. The coaching and the staff wants to do that. But at this point, it's it's, it's essentially unrealistic. So when a slow game does start off like it did against South Carolina, there's no excuse for three points in, in the first two quarters. Um, and of course, there's no excuse for the inferior opponents Georgia played in the first two weeks with slow starts on offense. But that's the situation that Georgia has put themselves in by achieving the consistent greatness that they have. I think it's important to note that, all right? Here's the other thing. You have said this a lot of times, and I'm starting to repeat it. Georgia's offense is still largely undefined. It was amazing that Kirby Smart came out this Monday press conference earlier today and said, hey, this offense is the exact same offense that we ran last year with Todd Munkin. If you know anything about football, go look at the plays we've been running it's the exact same. Maybe deflecting some of the blame, of course, hearing some of the noise about the play calling, about Coach Bobo's style, because stylistically, Jake, it is almost the same. Here are the two things, though. One, you have to run the ball better. We all know that Georgia's offense starts with a dominant run game, and those play actions and those screens, they become explosive when you can run the ball. Georgia has not been able to do that effectively at the start of games. And then two, and I need you to talk about this, of course you will, but it seems like Plays are being called for Carson Beck to let it loose. To me, he seems a bit hesitant. He seems a bit harnessed. He doesn't want to make a mistake. And if you're playing with that type of fear, I'm not saying he's scared, but if he's playing with that type of fear, when the mistake does come, that's when things can compound. Georgia can be put into a pretty deep hole, uh, and you hope that they can continue to climb out of them like they have. Yeah, Um yeah, let's start with the Carson um, situation of, you know, you're the guy and what you want to be able to do is be able to be plugged in and go out and operate the offense. Now, if if there is a little bit of indecision of, hey, should I throw it to that guy versus that guy? If you're picking and choosing your one-on-one best matchups, then sometimes you can, you can get into a funk of just, man, just guessing the wrong side. Because sometimes that shows up in an offense or um, – I mean, two certain two guys could be open at the same time. And do you pass one up to get to the other because you saw it on tape and you start second guessing yourself? So I, I think, uh, it, you know, for him, it's just getting back to the basics and just playing simple. It's very easy in this business to get into a, a results based system, right? Yeah, of course. You, 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 don't, you don't, to for me, I always wanted to be more process based. Man, if I can go and I can turn on the tape and say, hey, that's what we were coached to do. That's the decision I made. This is why I made that decision. And you're good to go. It may not be the result we want, but in a string of a season, after a lot of plays of being run, you're going to be right a lot more times than you've been wrong. So I, I would just say, hey, let's just uh, let's be careful of not being a results-based um, fan base, a results-based podcast, and let's be more of a process-oriented uh you know, people yeah. to say, hey, they, they, they got a process they're going through and they're going to go through it every single week. Um, but uh, sooner or later, you want to be able to put a good product out there, too. Yeah, I mean, you look at the stat sheet just from Saturday's game. Georgia dominated. I mean, 458 total yards of offense to South Carolina's 309. Georgia forced two turnovers, didn't turn the ball over at all, which is always That's a huge, huge win. Time huge. of possession, 37 minutes and 13 seconds to South Carolina's 22 47 and then going back to Carson I mean his season statistics is really good looks great 
I know. I mean, he's 71 and 96, so he's 74% completion percentage, 846 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception, which, if you remember, was an unlucky, bobbled, yeah. you know, yeah. bang, bang play that was actually a great interception by a Ball State DB. When you see Dylan Bell running down the sideline wide open and Gary Danielson pulls it up and says, hey, you know, Carson checked down here. He didn't see Dylan Bell. Is that just one where you're like, you know what? It happens. You want that one back. Um, or is that him not going through his progression correctly, checking down those high percentage throws, which aren't as explosive yet? I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes from in the fan base. It's power. It's toss it's sweep and then it's bubble screen then it's slip screen then it's running back screen and it's like guys what are we doing let this guy throw the ball but then when you look at the big picture you do see receivers running down the field yeah it's just that those shots aren't being taken yeah yeah a little bit of devil's advocate for myself here on both sides uh the one where dylan bell stricking down you know the middle of the field on inside post um i, I from what i remember of that play i believe uh, he was like working more of a quicker game concept on the other side. So that's, Hey, he, he chose that side. That's a, a clear out for the love post um, to make room for somebody else. And it, it sucks. Like, yeah, you, you know, you, you would love happen. to say, yeah, just, it happens. You would love to say that you'd be able to see that, but that, that was not from what I remember of that play, not part really of the read to begin with just sucks. It is what it is. The way, way ball goes sometimes. Um, yeah, talking about a little bit of, of the scheme and kind of what they're doing, you know, with Carson, like the, the whole third quarter, it was just swing passes and swing routes and screens, you know, and <laughs> know, then that's all they, it is. And then every now and then they'll take a shot, but that's, that's also too tough of, of as a quarterback getting in a rhythm to say, Hey, I feel confident of man, this ball coming out and feeling good where I'm going to put it, you know, all you're doing is throwing left and right. So there, there's a happy medium to be found. And I think, um, I think too the the third down plan. There's a lot of screens and and I would say trickery kind of mixed in on that that third down. Not a whole lot of just drop back passing yeah. game and, and scheme being run. Um, maybe that's just what they want to do. I, I still think the whole identity of what they are as an offense is still yet to be decided. Um, and I still still think they're figuring a lot of things out in their room as well. Yeah, I mean to to defend Carson on those types of plays. I mean, if you play golf, it's like being on the range and just kind of hitting some 50% lob wedges. And then somebody tells you tee it up and hit a driver as far as you can. Or if you throw the baseball, you're playing backyard catch and you guys are 30 yards away. Then it's like, throw this baseball as far as you can. That's what you're asking the quarterback to do. You just said it. Hey, if you're in shotgun five wide, you're getting in that rhythm. You know, you can make all the throws, you know, exactly kind of what your depth perception is, I guess, in the gelling with the wide receivers that are running around the field. It is tough to throw those short to almost, you know, short to intermediate to almost backwards with the with the screen game and then be like, all right, dude, go run a go route. I'm going to chuck it to you 50 yards down the field. Th that has to be a bit maddening, but th that's just the offense that Georgia's run so far. And I will go back to this. If they were able to run the ball effectively early, then those deep play action plays and the concepts that allow Georgia to stretch the field, then they get integrated earlier. Am I, am I correct in that thinking? Yeah, I, I think so. And I'll try to do a little bit of thinking back of just what I remembered really when, when Stetson was there and Monk were both there. I mean, it's 
I mean, like Kirby said, it's a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. A lot, a lot of the left and right swing passes, screens, wide receivers, tunnel screens. I just, I think Stett hit one or two more deep balls a game. And to the eye, it just, it seemed a little more in rhythm and a little more explosive, you know, at times. So, and then the run game too, always, always helps. And, and I mean, I, 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 I can't sit here and, and say, man, this isn't right. This isn't right. This isn't right. Or they need to get better here, here, and here. When also you don't, you have to acknowledge the injury bug is really oh, got yeah. the team as well. So it it sucks, but everybody's dealing with the the same part of the season, and it's just you got to grind through it, and you got to keep going and take it week by week. Yeah, Kirby Smart quoted today in his press conference, quote, I mean, we had a 13 and an 11 play drive in the first half that came out to only be three points, if you get what I mean. He's 100% right. Alluding to Georgia's inability to get the ball in the end zone and then missing a 28-yard field goal. He even said, he's like, look, in the red zone, we have to improve. And that's one of the biggest differences from last year. When they got into the red zone, it was points. And it was oftentimes a touchdown. That's where you make your money as an offense. And then Peyton Woodring, the field goal kicker, look, I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't play this week. I mean, 28 yarder, another sub 30 yarder uh, against ball state. He, I mean, whiffed the 43 yarder. I don't want to be too hard on the kid, but those aren't close. And when you're in a knockdown drag out, you have to get points. Um, The 28 yarder, no excuse. The 43 yarder. Look, it looked like he was a little bit misaligned. His hips were way out to the right. He hit a straight ball. I said, it's like if you're playing golf and you aim out to the right and you want to draw it and you hit that dreaded straight ball, it's exactly what he did. We've all done it, right? Um, But in those moments, especially in these tight games, man, it's demoralizing for the defense. Uh, It gives a lot of momentum to the other offense. Like, okay, we got a shot. It just changes the entire complexity of the game. But I thought it was really interesting to see Kirby Smart stick up for the offense, stick up for the offensive play calling. And another thing that I said before the season started – watch his demeanor throughout the season, he's relatively calm. I I was shocked because at halftime, he was calm. Hey, we got to take it one play at a time. We got to take it one play at a time. And I was like, who is this? And then they came out and they took it one play at a time. What's up with these guys? Kirby and Saban (laughs) are just just cool, chill right now. What's what's up? This is I don't know. I don't know. It's like when when you go to say that the offense is undefined, the team as a whole through three weeks, people were splitting hairs. Georgia's undefeated. They're the back-to-back national champs. They're still number one in the polls. Kirby and the coaching staff are still trying to figure out who is this team? Who are the vocal leaders on game day? Who can rise from adversity? That's just what happens throughout an entire football season. So it's fascinating to see that from the sidelines and behind a podcast microphone. Um, but we all know, and you've been saying this since week one, that Auburn game. They just announced it's going to be 3.30, CBS. Auburn's mm-hmm. probably going to beat AM this week. They're going to be undefeated. You don't think that place will be batshit crazy? Okay, Carson Beck, you better be able to run the ball early, silence the crowd. If it's a 13-play drive in the first quarter, you better get a touchdown uh, because they will be looking for blood in the water in that game. And that will be Carson's first ever road start. That's a big test, bro. That is a big, big test. That is. That's going to be a good one. Uh, Piggybacking off a little bit of what you alluded to about the – they only had four possessions in the first half with the new kind of uh, pool they got going on, the commercials, the whole nine. I mean, it's a a 
Like that was an NFL football game and score is what that was. 24 to 14. Yeah. You'll, you'll see that multiple Sundays, the possessions. And so situational football just gets enhanced so much more and you have to execute and you have to make plays during those critical points of the game have to convert on third down you have to be good in the red zone and when you got to have it you got to go and make a play 100 percent, 100 percent. you mentioned the injuries ron corson head athletic trainer told coach smart this is the longest injury list georgia has had to deal with in his tenure at Georgia in the last eight years. Wow. This is the longest injury list. Lad McConkey still hasn't played. It was great to see Dejan Edwards get back into the mix, 20 carries, 119 yeah. yards, and a touchdown. That is huge. If you have a 100-yard rusher, your odds of winning the football game go up drastically. Amarius Mims, sounds like he's going to have ankle surgery, maybe miss yeah. the next four weeks. One of the best offensive linemen on the team. So Georgia's going to have to battle it. And look, they've done a pretty good job so far. I'd be remiss if we didn't bring up the defense. They played outstanding. Uh, Georgia's defense yeah. is is full of dogs. I mean, that's yeah. why three points are so important because if you score three, if you score six, hell, you might have a chance to win the game. Like that's why you've yeah. got to come home and you've got to put points on the board. So look, they get to play UAB this weekend, uh, seven 30 kick. I'll be there, fired up, bringing the whole family. We're really excited. It'll be our first Georgia game this year. Uh, And then it's Auburn. And then you get into the meat of that SEC schedule, and it's like, all right, who are we? Um, And and it's just an interesting time because for as much complaining as I hear, things are still pretty good. Yeah, things are still good. I saw a statistic of the last four years on offense, what the points per game were. The it yeah. was night, not yeah, it was like 19 and 20 or 20 and 21 was mid 30s points per game, and then last year was hot, like low 40s, and then this year you're right at 38, 39 points per game. Yeah, uh, so, I think they're two points lower than what they were last year. Yeah, uh, at this point of the yeah. season, again, it's three games, people. So yeah. just take a deep breath. All right. Now, if you want to get pissed off about the commercial breaks, be my guest, because I was infuriated about this new clock rule, dude. Oh, my gosh. Timeout commercial break. Come back. One punt commercial break. I was like, how do you even get into the flow of the game? It was raining in Athens. I was texting people at the game. It's got to be worse in the stadium than it is for me at home because there's no flow of game time. There are more commercials than there are game coverage. I don't know what the hell is going on. It is extremely frustrating to the college football fan. But we're all sickos, and we continue to watch it, so nothing will ever change. That's just my two cents right (laughs) there. Um, Yeah, time to find out who's Georgia going to be. But huge shout-out to the defense. Look, they got a big victory against a South Carolina team that, you know, they're going to creep up on some people for sure later on this season. All right, next game we want to touch on. Number 11, Tennessee, goes down to the swamp, and they got – crushed they lose 29 to 16 to florida florida has now won 10 straight at home in this series florida outscored tennessee 20 to nothing in the second quarter i thought the officiating in this game was horrible uh joe milton did not have a good game tennessee never had a chance just uh just a bummer for Tennessee fans. You're like, dude, what is going on? And I was talking to some Tennessee fans last week, Jake, mentioning all the statistics about their lack of success at the swamp. And they're like, oh, it's overblown. These kids don't care. I don't care if it's overblown or not. It is real, bro. It is real boogeyman down there for Tennessee. And the swamp got him. Uh yeah. <laughs> 
from uh, my assistant quarterback coach, Luke Del Rio, who went to uh, Florida. Uh, he watched the game and oh, just, yeah. said, just said that uh, Joe Milton was just trying to – he was trying to make it all happen in one play instead of just you know, taking what they gave you and just make a play here and there and let the accumulation of completions and little plays just bring you back into the game. Uh, but, man, Florida whipped up on them, established the line of scrimmage. And when run they, the ball. I mean, how they, it, it ain't rocket science, people. No. If you run the football, good things happen. That's it. That's it. They they smell blood in the water, and they uh, they attacked and they got after them Tennessee boys. That's for sure. Yeah, they absolutely did a huge win for Billy Napier. Billy Napier saying after the game, you know, this is it feels good because it validates what he is selling to the fan base, to yeah. recruits, to the guys within the locker room. So that's a big win for Florida. No question. We talked about it on Thursday's podcast. What if Tennessee beats them by 40? Where do they go? What will those types of headlines be like? And of course, they averted a crisis like that. And man, Joe Milton, you know, one interception. I text my buddy who's a huge Tennessee fan. I said, Joe Milton throws the prettiest, tightest spiral I've ever seen to absolutely nobody. I mean, he's throwing these balls. There's nobody inside. I'm like, what? I don't know. It's got to be frustrating because you know he has all the talent. Uh, ETN, the running back at Florida, 172 yards on the ground. You're That's, not going to lose a football game yeah. if you have a running back. It goes for 172. Yeah, ETN's brother just went off in this game, put the team on his back, uh, saw a clip of him get hit from both sides, stumbled, and somehow just kept his feet and kept going. Just uh, an amazing play. And to keep going on all these golf analogies that were going on, yeah, you know, Joe Milton with the prettiest and, and tightest spiral we've ever seen, the biggest arm we've ever seen. It's like the guy who could drive the crap out of the ball, but can, ne- but can never find the fairway. Of <laughs> he's, he's always OB left and right. Uh, it goes a long ways, but he, he's always hitting three out of the rough. So it's part of it. No question about it. All right, so the slate was a little boring last week, right? I'll never complain about football being on TV. But this weekend, week four, giddy up. It's the Solomon Brothers Big Watch of the Week for week four presented to you, of course, by Solomon Brothers Jewelers, the lowest prices on the highest quality jewelry and diamonds, guaranteed an in-store experience that is simply unmatched. One store in Alpharetta just past the Avalon, the other in Buckhead, 17th floor, Tower Place. Where are we going for the Big watch of the week in week four. Let's go to the Midwest. How about a top 10 matchup in Notre Dame? Number six, Ohio State taking on number mm. nine, Notre Dame, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. This game is on NBC. Sam Hartman having an unbelievable start yeah. to the season. He will definitely put himself maybe at the top spot of the Heisman odds board because I think Notre Dame wins this game. Um, and they will certainly be fired up in South Bend. You also have, don't look now, we'll throw Colorado in here right now, number 19 Colorado, taking on number 10 Oregon. waiting for it. Another top 20 matchup. That game's at 3.30 p.m. on ABC. Florida State heads to Clemson, and the team we're about to discuss, the Alabama Crimson Tide, Mm. are hosting Ole Miss. That's right. Ole Miss is ranked 15. Alabama's ranked 13. Holy cow. That game is at 3.30 p.m. on CBS. So look at that. Tons of top 25 matchups. An unbelievable weekend to get on your couch. Put it on the calendar right now. 
It is the Solomon Brothers' big watch of the week for week four. We'll circle one game, though, that top 10 matchup. Number six, Ohio State. Number nine, Notre Dame. Tons of awesome football. Solomon Brothers is the jewelry store for anyone with any budget. Mention Punt and Pass or myself or Jake. You can get 10% off your jewelry purchase, SolomonBrothers.com. All right, Alabama goes down to Tampa, pays South Florida. And, buddy, this game was wild. 17-3 to they win. Rotation of quarterbacks, absolutely no consistency on offense. Huge rain delay in this game, too. Jake, they had to go back out and repaint the hash marks on the field because it got so wet out there. Not a good time right now for Alabama to be trying to figure out what's going on on offense. Yeah, that uh, that was not good. I saw a great take by somebody today, and I hate I can't give credit for it because it's a great take, but it just looked like the Alabama team went out and they just they didn't believe – and who they were starting at quarterback. Yeah. This looks like, hey, it was almost in a in a defiance of what the coaching staff picked, uh, you know, because they didn't believe in Jalen Milrow and they make it switch and they just came out flat. Just we're not the Alabama football team we were used to seeing. Uh, I hate it for Tyler Buckner, man. You never want a start to go this way, but it was it was rough. It was really bad. Five of 14 for 34 yards. Uh, Ty Simpson, he's a freshman, I believe, comes in. Um, get, Five of it, nine for 73 yeah, yards. Uh, not not great. So I believe they're going to go back to Jalen Milrow next week. You have to. And and maybe we'll see a little bit more life uh, out of out of the offense and then out of the team, too. Because uh, this is just odd. It's weird to see uh, this from an, uh, a Nick Saban coach team. Um, I, I don't want to say this too early, but – is it is it over? <laughs> I mean, is is this? Yeah, it? I mean, uh, look, I, we're gonna find out this weekend, right? Because Ole yeah. Miss is coming in there, a great opportunity for Lane Kiffin to hang one on his former boss, Nick Saban. Um, I will say they will definitely be going back to Jalen Milrow. I'm shocked they did not put him back in the game against South Florida yeah. because on a surface like that, in a game where there's no juice, an athlete like Milrow, dude, just. Shotgun snap, pull it, run, make something happen. Like, that's yeah. literally what I thought they were going to do. And when you talk about Buckner and Simpson, man, look, I get it. It was wet. The conditions weren't great. They were making some uh, subpar throws, to put it lightly. High percentage throws that were not given a great percentage to be completed. And that just dragged the whole team down. You got to think the noise at Alabama right now um, has got to be loud. But look, Ole Miss is coming to Tuscaloosa. I wouldn't be surprised if they put it all together. It's not like Nick Saban's never been in this position before. So just interesting times, interesting times. Man, just, it's just so, so odd. Alabama goes to South Florida. Just, just doesn't play well. The, uh, the, I don't know. I, I think the locker room is definitely going to choose the starter next week. Uh, yeah. I believe it's definitely going to be Jalen Dora. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, interesting I game. Mean, Look, a win is a win is a win, but that one came with some baggage for sure. Uh, it, it sure did. I, I can't remember the last time I've seen Alabama outside the top 10. No, neither can I. 13? Are you kidding me? It's crazy, dude. Crazy. And, and, and honestly, the game should have been 10 to 3. I know. Because that was a late touchdown that they had to kind of go for it late the time. I mean, you don't kick a field goal. You you might as well just go for it. You get it great. If you don't, you just turn the ball over and make him go 99. So, I mean, it was 10 to three late, late in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah, Dude, they scored a touchdown with 33 seconds left on the clock. 
Yeah. Yeah. Woo. Interesting. Interesting. We'll see what happens. That is, of course, going to be a big game to circle and watch leading into that 730 kick, Georgia and UAB on ESPN2. All right, before we get out of here, Colorado, Colorado State game. I was up mm. at like 1.30 a.m. watching this. Uh, Colorado, I mean, that game was crazy. Chippy, um, a lot of extracurriculars going on on the field. Of course, all the emotion around Dion and Jay Norvell, the Colorado State coach, chirping each other before the game. Dion making the rounds on game day, a big noon kickoff. Travis Hunter gets knocked out with a very cheap yeah. shot right to the rib cage. He's out for the next three weeks, I think, which is a huge bummer for them. But Shador Sanders, a 98-yard drive to tie the game up and then go for two to force overtime. Whatever's happening at Colorado, it's special. I don't want you to tell me they're not that good. I don't want you to tell me they're going to lose the next five games. I don't want you to tell me that they suck now because Travis Hunter's not on the team. It's remarkable. It's it's one of the most remarkable things that we've seen in college football. I don't care if they're playing high school teams out there. It's unbelievable. It's appointment television. Offset from Migos is on the sideline. The Rock was on the sideline. It, it's just, it's crazy what Dion has done. I give him immense credit. It, it's, it's like crazy on one hand, unbelievable. It's so respectable. Yeah. I mean, because all this doesn't come without putting in the work during the springtime, during the summer, and then during camp. Like, you don't just show up because he's Dion and this happens. Like, these kids were coached. They were recruited. They were brought in for a reason. They bought in to the belief that they're going to be good. They bought in to what Dion was selling. And here is the, the fruit of their labor right it, it, here coming coming to fruition for all of us to see even though they were 24 point favorites it's a rivalry game big time moments espn college game day was there uh, colorado state had every ounce of wanting to win this game as much or more than colorado did trust me um but man store played play great when it mattered man he he got it done when it mattered when it counted went out and made a play. The, Did the you hear what he said after the game? They were no, like, what no, was your no. thought process when you got the ball? Oh, and left? He goes, all yeah. I wanted to do was go Brady mode. I was like, that's Brady pretty mode. sick. Yeah. I was Just, like, sick. I, I, I mean, he's quick with it. If it, if it comes out, he, he's definitely thought about it before. Not, he's not just making it up. Like maybe he's out there thinking I'm going Brady mode. I don't know, but he got but it. Look, I mean, look, they're 21 point dogs to Oregon this upcoming weekend. That game's at, Oregon. Of course, it'll be like appointment television. They're out tra- with their without Travis Hunter, which is a little bit of a bummer. Um, but last night, Sunday night, Deion Sanders, 60 minutes. I saw clips of it. I haven't seen the whole thing yet. I have it recorded. Two of my favorite quotes. One, the guy asked, who do you think is the best head coach in college football right now? And he said, get me a mirror so I can look at him. I was like, that's it. Because he believes it. That's the thing. When Dion is talking like that, he 100% believes it. That man said, get me a mirror so I can look at him. Talking about himself, obviously. And then the 60 Minutes reporter asked him about kind of the controversy around pushing out 80% of the roster at Colorado and bringing in his own guys with the new age of college football and the transfer portal. And Dion Sanders said, hey, look, here's the deal. That previous coaching staff, they all got fired, right? He's like, so when I came here, I told the athletic director, here are my plans, because that coaching staff who you just fired, who you don't trust, 
you know, the players that they brought in, they have also failed the program. He said this on 60 Minutes. He's like, they have also failed the program. So when I came in and I made those statements, we're going to do our things our way. Here's what's going to happen. Um, you're probably not going to play. He was saying this, right? Um, you should transfer. He was saying this to the kids. He essentially said that was a litmus test. If words could scare these kids off, we don't want them here. He's like, I never pushed them out. If words could scare the kids off, they're not built for us. He goes, it was a litmus test. Yeah, of course there were kids that have stayed. There are kids that stayed who are playing for us. But we do things a certain way. If you got scared by what I said, you're not meant to be here. He's like, everybody has ownership. I was like, wow, you just don't hear that anymore. And he was like, look, I'm taking advantage of the new age of college football. And they're 3-0. It's crazy. It's it's. Yeah, because Dion's got a lot of old school in it too. It's, that, it's, that's what it, he was saying. He was like, "I do things the old school way." Yeah, it's 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 so interesting to watch and to see him navigate the old school with the new school, um, and which is why I think he's going to have success at this level for a long time because nobody does it like he does. You get all the glitz and the glam of the, of the new age and the NIL and all this and that. But at the end of the day, they're getting their work done too. No doubt, dude. And they're executed. It's, it's 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 old school. I mean, it's it's Nick Saban. I mean, borderline old school. Like we're gonna go to work, but uh, I think Fascinating. Uh, if you if you if recruit the right kids, I, I think it's and I, I think Travis Hunter and obviously his son too. Growing up, like man, they're they're about that work too, and they're not. Yeah. They're it's not it's not for show. Like they they do it. They eat, breathe, sleep football. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, everybody knows I'm a huge fan. I mean, give me the 21 points. Are you kidding me? Come on now. These guys will be playing their tails off. So that'll be a really fun game to watch this weekend. All right, week three in the books. Week four, we got a doozy coming up. So we will be sure to preview all those big time games on Thursday's episode of Punt and Pass. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Drew Butler. He's at From Jake huntandpass.com as you already know and of course you got to head over to solomon brothers i mean, I don't know what you're doing if you're if you're on the road and you're going to see your girlfriend your wife your significant other you know maybe you have let her down in some aspect of your life i'm not assuming anything just walk into a solomon brothers store okay you can make a wrong right immediately after going to Solomon Brothers, I'm just telling you that as your friend, as your confidant, we can even save you 10% on your jewelry purchase. Just mention Punt and Pass, mention myself, mention Jake, hit up one of their two stores. One's in Alpharetta, just past the Alma. The other one is in Buckhead, 17th floor, Tower Place, the lowest prices on the highest quality jewelry and diamonds. Guaranteed that's Solomon Brothers. Check them out on Instagram at Solomon Brothers and SolomonBrothers.com. Jake, anything on the way out, my man? Man, I'm just thinking for a week that we didn't really think was going to be a great weekend for college football, it still never disappoints. There were still some great games. A lot to discuss. You're exactly right. Florida State was in a battle. Tennessee, Florida was obviously great. I mean, the Georgia game was still, I mean. Highly entertaining. It was It was hairy uh, yeah. for, a, for a long time in that game. And then, man, for ESPN College Game Day, the nighttime, primetime game, Colorado, Colorado State. So. It's still, still got it done. Didn't disappoint. Football. 
the greatest game in the world. Absolutely. It's awesome to be on a college football podcast with an absolute legend as well. SEC champion, Rose Bowl champion, the guy. He's done it all, folks. He's seen it all. He's played against these people. He's won a ton of football games as well. That, of course, is Jake Fromm. So, Jake, thanks so much, my man. All right, everybody. Have a great rest of the week. We will talk to you on Thursday. See you. We out. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Hi, I'm Mark Beckham with Atlanta Ramjack. We specialize in only foundation repair. What is foundation repair? Foundations sink or settle. These issues need to be addressed. It only becomes more costly the longer you put it off. What is the biggest cause of foundation problem? Either poor construction, inferior site preparation, or weather. Drought causes cracks in your foundations. If you see any signs of foundation issues, please contact us at atlantaramjack.com.